You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season seven, episode 14. All right, friends, we have a very special episode this week. And this is coming from my good friend Dave Wilton's studio, which is Coalesce Audio in Lafayette, Colorado. This is Dave's second time on Makers and Mystics podcast. Some of you probably listened to the previous interview we did together, which was on his Loud Harp project. And some of you that have been to the Breath in the Clay remember Loud Harp from a couple of years ago when they came and performed with us. But on today's episode, we get to talk to Dave about his new project under the name A Boy and His Kite, which is called The Path Became a Ghost. Dave, it's an honor to be in your studio, hanging with you, making some sweet music of our own this week. Yes. And also, what an honor to be one of the first people to introduce this incredible, gorgeous record to the world. Thanks, friend. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's such a joy to be with you. Oh, man. Well, I have listened to this album from its inception, and yeah. I couldn't be more excited to see this whole process come to fruition. Yeah, man. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. It's been a journey. So the name of the album, we'll start there, is The Path Became a Ghost. Yeah. That is a line in a song called Wide Open that actually I'm going to release a later EP. It's not actually going to be on the album, but in that song, it was just a spontaneous lyric that came out as I was trying to describe what I was feeling in my own journey, specifically my spiritual journey. And I remember when I sang it, it did strike me as something unique. I'd never heard that phrase before. And so as I started uncovering a little bit of what I was trying to express and write, because if I'm honest, I, <laughs> I wish I was brilliant and a savant and understood everything <laughs> I did. But um, a lot of it is just total uh, reaction and a response to something that I don't fully know. It's more of a search. And so on reflection of that line, it became very clear that that would be the overall essence and feeling of my album. And so to further explain, uh, a year and a half ago in De- December, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And anyone who's ever encountered a life-altering, just bad news, you know, whether it's medical or something happens that is so not welcome in your life and you're forced to come to reality and the reality is you have to keep moving on and keep believing keep loving keep trying to make sense of everything and and so at the time I started writing music in response to my wife going through her cancer journey and and man thank god that it's been a healing journey for her both in her body uh, she's cancer free today thank god uh, but also just emotionally and mentally and spiritually And so our journey came to a place where what was expected and what was hoped for totally disappeared. And all we had was each other. And we had a relationship with God that to me was like a ghost, you know. Hmm. 
And I know some people get, um, they either love the term Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit or they they squinch up a little bit. Uh, but man, you know, part of my Christian journey and my spiritual life is becoming friends and communing with something that I, don't, I can't always explain to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't always like rationalize, mm-hmm. but it is a real presence mm-hmm. that, that guides. It's a real presence that leads and there's lots of laughter and lots of tears, but it's a, an abiding presence mm-hmm. that I feel with the Holy Ghost. And so I wasn't trying to t- write about God when I sing, but as it does, as it happens, uh, that song and that line in particular, my journey in life, my spiritual journey, my professional journey, my relational journey with friends and family, it all has gotten kind of distilled into the journey, the path that I thought I was on, a general direction, all that ambition, all the years of hoping and trying and working hard. It's led to a relationship mm-hmm. with something I can't always put my finger on. And, and you know, I could give a, a rote Christian answer and say, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. But try explaining the Holy Ghost to somebody, <laughs> and it, it, it's a little bit different than just saying, Jesus, Jesus. Because mm-hmm. um, I've learned about Jesus uh, with the Spirit teaching me. And I, you know, not to sound all mystical, but your podcast you can is sound mystical makers here. and mystics. <laughs> So the short answer is, it's a journey of my own life going from like desiring certainty, desiring a certain success or a certain status, and coming to the point in my life where I'm totally fine that the journey is way more wondrous and mysterious and ultimately relational Mm -hmm. than I once thought it was. Well, this relationship with God that you're talking about is something that I've always found present in your music, but not in a very straightforward manner and not in a very two-dimensional manner. One thing that I've really appreciated about both the work that you've done in previous Boy and His Kite records and then also in the Loud Harp record is that there's a brutal honesty in your lyrics. Mm. There's an unpretentious rawness in the way that you express this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. and even in in taking something as intense as walking through this cancer with your wife and then bringing that into the place of prayer and bringing that into the place of creativity, it's, it's overwhelming. Like I feel the depth of your relationship with God and also the depth of what you've walked through to be able to, to make this record, you know? How did you arrive at such a place of honesty and rawness to where you could say things to God and you, I've, I've read your lyrics, you say things to God in your lyrics that not everybody would be brave enough to say, I think. I think honestly, it comes down to, to know God is to participate in a lot of not only who He is, but what He does. There's suffering, <laughs> there's joy. There's so many things that to really know them, you start realizing that nothing is too crazy for him. Nothing's too human for him. Nothing's too like uh, emotional. He's fine with us absolutely losing our minds. Mm-hmm. Even in those places of our fragileness and like uh, despair, he meets us in our weakness. And I'm surrounded by a culture that thinks God meets us in our strength. And I think that for me, art and a spiritual life, any relationship that's gonna endure a life 
time has to be vulnerable and it has to be honest. And there has to be something that will last the seasons. And to me, that's love and that's hope. And it's, I'll use faith, but also put in friendship, you know? Like faith in God for me is friendship with Him. Mm-hmm. I trust Him. Mm-hmm. I tell Him everything. Even though I know He may know it, I enjoy that friendship. And so when I create music from that place, I don't care what the market thinks. I don't <laughs> care what like... That's why I love you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 my wife wishes I did, <laughs> but I have so much respect for artists and craftsmen that do something. They provide a good service, a good actually bring something to the world that is valuable and deserve, is deserving of compensation, mm-hmm. you know? But that's not why I make music. Mm-hmm. Like I make music as a, a self-expression and not only self-expression, because a lot of times I'm not even, I'm expressing things I don't yet understand. Mm-hmm. That's very uh, risky for most people, especially Christians, because they, they think it's only wise to say things that you've 100%, like, guys, I've changed my mind so many times in my life, you know, and I'm only like 36. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to, my mind, it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I haven't changed my mind about God. Um, he continually just blows my mind, if anything. Tell me specifically about the song Shadowland. Okay, so it began with my son, who was nine, but at the time he was about seven. And he would show up right next to me as I'm working in my studio, and he would demand (laughs) in a little boy's voice, Dad, let's make a song together. And he would pull a chair next to me and he wouldn't leave. And our family, we we talk about everything and our feelings. And uh, so my kids are totally sweet, but they're not normally just like demanding, you know. Normally we have a conversation, but he was demanding. And he's like, Dad, I've fallen asleep to your album for the last seven years, which is true, because I finished my album right after he was born. And he's like, I'm really sick of it. I'm bored of it. <laughs> you need you need to make new music for me to fall asleep to. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> guilt trip. And so I was like, all right. So we started writing songs together. And he would sit next to me, and he would tell me what mood he was in and what instruments, what sounds he heard in his imagination, and, and I would play them. And he'd tell me if he liked it, and if he didn't, he's like, <laughs> no, that's bad. <laughs> Kids are the best. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... It was the third song, and I had a particularly bad day, and I was was feeling real tired and moody. And he came next to me, and I was like, oh, God, please help have him not ask me to write a song because I'm empty. I have nothing. And his persistence, he was the most stubborn I think I've ever seen him Mm -hmm. in his young life. He would not leave, and he finally won me over because I was like, wow, this kid really knows what he wants and <laughs> I was more impressed than you know upset and so he told me how he felt and I said son I, I don't know if I can write something how you feel because I'm feeling pretty sad can I write a sad song and he said yeah and we went to the piano and I just wrote a, a simple piano line that starts uh, the song Shadowland and I immediately started feeling like oh that's how I feel <laughs> 
And I said, kid, what do you think of that? And he's like, that's pretty good. He's like, but we need to add stuff. <laughs> he loves Legos, and so as no surprise, he, he really liked building sounds with me. So we came up to my studio, and he added, he's like, Dad, put in a vibraphone. And I was impressed he even knew what a vibraphone was. <laughs> he knows I love clarinets, so we put in clarinets. And we started adding things, and I put in this drum beat because I could tell he was excited. There was like a sparkle in his eye, and we needed some rhythm. And the moment I put in this drum sequence, he and I both looked at each other and we're like, this is fun. And all of a sudden, my, my mood started lift changing. So the song that was in my son was inspiring a song in me. Uh, he was calling out a song in me that I, I didn't want to give, if I'm honest. Mm. But he called it out of me nonetheless. And as it came, it was just like, I started feeling connected to not just my son, but to God. Mm -hmm. And I started feeling like a son to God. And he goes, all right. And I'm thinking it's done. And he goes, no, you gotta sing. And he's used to me making spontaneous songs, which are usually funny. And I make jokes, dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> they roll their eyes, but I'm, I can make up a melody fairly quickly. And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know if I can sing. And he's like, you can sing. So he like, hands me a mic and I just sing. And there was a purity uh, and a childlikeness to that melody that came out and a few of the lyrics formed in that moment. But that was, that was the beginning of Shadowland. So full circle, as I'm crafting it and finishing the lyrics, I had this thought that my favorite songs with God are songs that we sing back and forth to each other. Now, that sounds real strange to most people, but worship to me is, it is praise, it is adoration, it is just telling God how awesome He is, totally deserving of that. But to me, it's also like a mutual affection. It's like there's parts in scripture that it clearly says He worships us. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like, let's just look at the language. <laughs> So if God worships us, what is it? Well, it must also mean this mutual affection, this embrace, this kiss almost, mm -hmm. you know? And I started thinking, man, there's not any songs I've ever heard within my Christian tradition of faith where God and I are singing the same song. There's tons with angels and I singing the same songs, you know? So in my imagination with the melody that came in that moment that my son called forth in me, I penned this chorus. And it's a chorus that God can sing to me and I can sing to him. And I get so psyched every time I sing it. It's super high, so I have to kind of think young thoughts. <laughs> but um, it says, when I heard your song above the noise, rising and falling back again, I knew there was someone to know who I am, someone to know me as I am. So the Shadowland imagery is one foot in this earth and one foot somewhere else, but the relationship with God I feel is very evident, I think, in that song.
I want to read the lyrics from your song "Talking to the Air," mm-hmm. because as we're talking about this raw honesty in your relationship with God, these lyrics embody that to me. Mm-hmm. And you start off, you say, "I wondered if you heard me talking to the air. Why sometimes I feel you? Why some days nothing's there?" I don't want to be alone. I don't want my heart to feel like stone. I don't want to be left alone here on my own. And you go on and you continue this dialogue with God about his absence and about yeah. his own his silence. And then you end it with more of a hopeful refrain. Let your love come into my heart, light it up and mend what fell apart. Let your love come into my heart and lift it up, lift it up. Mm-hmm. Tell me about these lyrics and, and tell me how presenting this raw, praise or this raw desperation to God, how did this change your own outlook or your own experience? Tell me about this. So I wanted to rewrite this song. I tried rewriting this song. There's pages and pages of poetry that I wrote because I didn't want to be so straightforward. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, in essence, sound almost trite or cheesy. But the truth is, is these a lot, most of these lyrics came out spontaneously Mm -hmm. and they were so true that I cried Mm -hmm. when I sang them because I felt them yeah there's just a special thing when you say something you've never been able to articulate before even in simple language like that song where like my whole body like tingles almost Mm -hmm. because it's like wow that's it Mm -hmm. that's true from you know and um so that song, post-cancer, it had been about three months, and I was just tending to my wife as best I could, and to my children, and loving them, and the tiredness, and the, and really the grief of the unknown, because we didn't know what was going to happen, you know? And um, in that time, I totally felt absent from God. Uh, I was angry, but I never blamed Him. Mm-hmm. You know, I did uh, cry out to him, and I pleaded with him, but no response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, what? Allie had finished surgery, and it was looking good. Basically, it wasn't fully out of the woods, but it was looking good. And so she was able to be up and around and and be a little bit more herself. And I had not been in my studio, man. I. I barely picked up a guitar because mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was upset, you know. And I came, I came into the studio one night and her and the kids went to bed and I picked up a guitar and the moment I picked it up, I knew it was time, you know. <sighs> and uh, the song came and I started feeling just the loving presence of God be with me. And, uh, and I got time to, to kind of sing and I couldn't even finish what I was singing, you know, but the, yeah, those, that was the first line. Mm-hmm. That, that what she read came out, you know. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like, where have you been, you know? Yeah. But yeah. then as I think about it, and I've played it for other people that don't know, um, don't, you know, at least profess to have a faith in God. Um, what's amazing is because I'm so honest about my relationship with God, they actually think it's I'm talking about like a, my wife, mm-hmm. like <laughs> feeling distant from a real yeah. thing, a real mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So we we make God so distant sometimes mm-hmm. that we can't even have an argument. I have arguments with God all the time. Yeah. I think that expressing 
more negative emotions in the place of prayer and in the place of worship and in the place of communion mm -hmm. is really a hallmark of intimacy. It's really a hallmark of friendship. Yeah. It's not necessarily an indication that something's wrong mm -hmm. uh, in your spiritual life. Yeah. And I think we see that throughout the Psalms and all through the Bible. One song that I really want to talk about, yeah. and I'm really excited for people to hear this one. You do an absolutely incredible cover of Dylan's With God on Our Side. Yeah. And you played this at the Breath in the Clay mm -hmm. last year and <laughs> just floored me and wrecked me to hear you sing this. And it is the most gorgeous cover of this Dylan song that I've ever heard. Oh, thanks, man. What provoked you to cover this song? Yeah, um, well, These Times Are Changing is maybe my favorite Dylan record. And the version of that song on the album is obviously amazing. It's timeless, but it never, it, it never spoke to me. Like, I was always like, geez, man, you're super intense. Um, but I, one night, you know, uh, I was on, for whatever reason, that phrase came into my mind. And I just wondered if there was live versions because I'd heard about it kind of a lot of his experiences. He, he, he's, he just does what he wants. <laughs> I love it. And so I came across this performance that might have even predated the record, but probably not, but man, he's like, I'm gonna botch his age, but he must be 25, maybe 26. And he's in England and he's on a TV show. And the guy's like, here's another one of Dylan's protest songs. <laughs> and he rips in and he says the first line. And I remember it just hitting my spirit like, like, uh, like I hadn't been hit in a really long time. And he said, my name it means nothing. My age means less. Land I come from, it's called the Midwest. And like being a Midwestern kid uh, from Peoria, Illinois, I was like, whoa, I'm a Midwestern kid. And it just like something happened where all of a sudden I felt like that was my song. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like whatever he was saying, I carried a little bit of it. And that not only did I carry it, but I had to like get it out of me somehow. And um, and that song is heavy. Mm -hmm. He goes through for people, for those who don't listen to Dylan, he goes through and he explains the history of our wonderful country, the United States of America. And man, we've done some horrible things mm -hmm. in the name of God. Mm -hmm. You know, he goes through everything from the Civil War to. <laughs> World War One, World War Two. Um, yeah, some of those lines in there—they're just so intense. They are so intense. You can't run from them. No. Um, and so there's a reckoning to the song, and the song ends with him. He brings Jesus into the song too. It's, it's just incredible. And he's basically like, "Hey, God can't always be on our side." <laughs> or, you know, mm -hmm. he, ultimately, he's just putting a question in our hearts that we need to all of us honestly ask if we think god's on our side will that motivate us to love our enemies will that motivate us to do the things required of us in the gospels or will it 
give us freedom to feel the right to do genocide, to create mass weapons of war, to do horrible things in the name of God. And that's an important question that still we need to ask ourselves now and back then. It's just as fresh, man, as when he first wrote it. So. Mm-hmm. And it seems timely for where we are in our own yeah. history now, just as much as maybe when he penned the words, yeah. if not I more. I want to ask you about one more song on the record. Wonderful. And this is one called Time. Yes. Speaking of timeliness. Again, if you don't mind, I'd love to read the lyrics. Do it. Time is all I have worth making. Time is here, then had. Time is everything awakened, a sea of what's left unsaid. It's all we have, it's all we have. Time is all I have for changing. Time is now, then past. Time is everything that's waiting, a gift, a life to unwrap. It's all we have. It's all we have. Brilliant. Ah, thanks. Yeah. Tell me about this song. I'd been wanting to write a song about time for years. I had like a bunch of imaginative ideas of how to do it. So it's something I've been contemplating and Mm -hmm. and, uh, prayerful about and uh, I came up to the studio and this like weird riff was in my head. I hear things in my head, but I, it's more in my hands, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Um, but I, this thing was in my everything. <laughs> and it, like it, it never stopped but it revolved in an interesting way. And my deep love of Radiohead and... Oh, yeah. uh, Just music that uh, forces a slightly different movement, you know? So I wrote this music really fast, and I was like, geez, this is fun. Um, And when I went to sing, uh, once the music was kind of developed, uh, this phrase... It's all we have, it's all we have was in my mind. It was just uh, wanting to write a song that expressed how I experienced time and the importance of it. It is the, if, if there's any commodity, <laughs> like, I think there's two things, right? Uh, people on their deathbed probably wish they would have been more generous and they wish they had more time to be generous, you know? And I think that just a little encouragement as someone who's gone through, uh, whoa, life might end sooner than you expect. There was this emphasis all of a sudden, this, uh, hey, it's all we got, so let's, let's make the most of it. It's like throughout this album, I see this awareness of our temporary mm-hmm. existence, but it's in light of eternity. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it kind of moves back and forth between 
the temporary and the eternal is the way I would is the way I would see that. Absolutely. Dave, thanks so much for coming back on Makers and Mystics. Oh, dude, so fun. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to see the show notes of this episode for links to A Boy and His Kite and for links to join the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective. This month, we're going through the book Culture Care by Mako Fujimura. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art. Yeah.